Welcome to a special episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Joining me all the way from over in Australia, we're going to talk a little V8 supercars this week and continuing the, the fun episodes is friend of the show, Joel Strickland. Joel, first off, man, how you doing? And what time is it there again? Tuesday, it's a, it's a, you're a day ahead of me, right? Hello, Mike. Uh, yeah, it's 9am uh, Tuesday morning, so we're uh, already into the future. <laughs> Does it get better? <laughs> I don't know, to tell you the <laughs> truth. They always, guys, friends from uh, in the US always ask that, what's the day like, or, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah, it's kind of, uh, it's interesting, you know, being being advanced in that respect in terms of timeframes and whatever else. So, yeah, that's make things interesting. Yeah, we have a couple other Australian friends of the show, and they're always saying stuff. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, man, it's it's still Monday. And like, no, no, it's not. I'm like, oh, I struggle enough with time zones when it's like a couple hours away. But anyway, we're going to talk some supercars kind of. Yeah, I, I know it, it, it's it's very appreciated among a small group of motorsports fans here. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, the Bathurst 1000 was just somewhat recently and it's really cool racing that not a lot of people know about so i thought hey we you know talk for 15 20 minutes or so and uh where should we start what does v8 supercars yeah where do we start well you know we look we look at what supercars is in its current form for only one more year before it changes and becomes a a, and we get a, a new generation of car with gen 3 um, coming to uh, the championship from the start of 2023. Uh, so that will certainly things, you know, those that have not seen supercars or experienced supercars until now will only see the current form run for another 12 months before it moves to a new format where the cars will actually look like, well, for, from, for an American audience, it'll, it'll be very much um, a piece of what they see, you know, on the road generally, because we will be going from running the, the famous Holden Commodore and, and Ford Falcon um, to running the uh, Chevrolet Corvette and, and Ford Mustang. I mean, they, the Mustang that they currently run doesn't really look as much as like a road going Mustang yeah. is what it will look like once the, they move to the new Gen 3. But the other thing is, is that, with the Mustang actually going to change shape uh, possibly again uh, next year with the launch of the S650 Mustang, we'll actually see probably a slightly different car than what they launched at Bathurst, um, to, you know, turning a wheel on the track in the start of 2023. So, yeah, the, the, the Supercars series has sort of evolved from V8 Supercars because, you know, for a period of time, they were looking at trying to move to a, a, a twin-turbo V6, which, you know, didn't quite sound as cool as the as the V8, but yeah. in in theory, they did they did run it at Bathurst, and it was um, as a demonstration um, in the famous um, Sandman uh, panel van um, setup. Um, and you know they were looking at that, but with the change now for Gen Three, it, it probably makes sense they didn't go that way. But traditionally, it has it has been a Holden versus Ford championship for you know from the from the early days, and then obviously it's gone through a couple couple of different uh, iterations over time um it was you know traditionally commodore commodore versus falcon um and then obviously once the set of falcon stopped being sold in australia it became commodore versus mustang um, which was you know massive for the because obviously the ford mustang is a very popular car so here in oz and sells very well um 
but now it's bringing it back in line with you know the, the two sort of muscle cars that uh that we have on the roads because the holden commodore is is no more um and you know that will probably see, which is sad to see that it, that it will disappear off the off yeah. the track, but it will live on um, with Super Two and Super Three series as those cars move, you know, down the down the uh, down as they move into the you know those those lower feeder series championships. Um, so yeah, it, it's it, it's an interesting it's an interesting series, and it's always sort of evolving. But I think a lot of people are excited about the the new generation of Gen Three when it when it launches next uh, or at the end of next year. Effectively, we'll probably see the first cars that are hitting the track. But actually, first race will be the start of um, twenty twenty three. So I, I did see the the Gen Three car kind of make its debut, like you said. Other than you know styling differences, is there any major differences that are that are coming in the next generation of of supercars that people would would be keen to know about? Yeah, the biggest thing at the moment is talk that what will happen is that um, we could see. I mean, it's a it's a it's a conversational slash sort of argument going back and forth, but there's talk that they may move away from a traditional. Um, gear shift uh and and because the the cars that were released and demoed um at bathurst one of them had well both of them were effectively a uh a, a basically a, a sort of an automatic gearbox but with the ability to you know shift manually through the shifter but the main car actually had paddles so the talk is at the moment is that you know and the team's on a Seems like the idea of it because you know it becomes more cost effective running it as a um, with this sort of automatic slash paddle shift system because it's not nowhere near as hard on the on the mechanicals. So that's kind of the the idea of running along that. But fans want to be able to see. I mean, the in car. If you've ever watched an in car of supercars, particularly, amazing. you know, uh, it, it's pretty amazing to watch because just you know how violent it is with the gear shifts and everything like that and that's part of the you know part of the the process of, of that or just part of the excitement of that is watching it so watching the guys with the paddles that you know i mean there's a lot of people that are um, sports car fans and, and gt3 and that have been running it for years so you know it's not new to a lot of people but for aussie fans you know in that respect it, it kind of it's sad to see that they want to move away from it and move to, um, you know, move into this. But the, the talk is that it could be that it will be the the possibility of running a, a combination of stuff. So um, at this stage, it's not 100% confirmed, but the but the the thought is that you know it will be a, a probably a combination of sort of an an automatic ish gearbox, but with the ability to to shift. Um, and having the ability to um, run, oh, I can't find the actual word I'm trying to think of at the moment, but there is, there's a, oh, it's an electronic accu uh, ac accurator that I think that is designed to help with the, sh the shifting um, to take the pressure off um, the way that uh, that they, they shift just to make it easier on the, on the mechanicals and stuff like that. So um, yeah, so that in terms of that, that will be, I mean, the biggest thing will obviously will, will be particularly that the cars will follow the effectively the, the true two body shape um, right. of the vehicles. If you look at the Camaro and the Mustang from the from the launch, they they look very, very similar to the to the road going one. So the, the problem with the current gen 
Mustang supercar is that it was designed to fit um, the rules. And so in order to fit the roll cage, because the Mustang is such a, a low slung car compared to what the Commodore was, um, it, if you put them side by side, they look very different on in-road specs. So the, the, the weird um, sort of specifications of the Mustang, it looked very, very weird. It doesn't look anything like the, the road going partnership with the way that it flows over the roof line and stuff like that. So the main difference with Gen 3 is that the cars will actually look very, very close to, to how they look. And then obviously the, the technical um, aspects of it as well as that they're working to obviously make uh, it be, uh, you know, as best as best as it can. Also, you know, they're kind of doing a form of trying to do a form of cost cutting as well to make um, them be obviously, you know, cheaper and that to and and more affordable for the teams to build and obviously to maintain as well all makes sense to me i'm i'm definitely intrigued but before i kind of ask about the 2022 season and you know, some drivers that people may follow i have to hop in with our lovely sponsor again episode two of three they're sponsoring in the past week our friends at better help that's h-e-l-p have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix, dissecting the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato, and I'll catch you after the checkered flag. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. This is not a crisis line. It's a not a self-help line. It's actually a professional counseling that's done securely online. If you're dealing with depression, stress, anxiety, relationship issues, sleep issues, self-esteem, anything you can think of, everything is confidential, convenient. You can have a therapist uh, talking to you within 48 hours. It's also much more affordable than traditional offline counseling. And there also is financial aid available. Uh, there's plenty of testimonials on their site. They have additional, they have a counselors in all 50 states here in the U.S., along with recruiting additional counselors uh, in, in every state as well. So, you know, 
during the holiday season, guys, I want everybody to start being able to live a happier life. So as a listener, you get 10% off your first month from our sponsor. If you visit betterhelp.com slash listener, you can join a million people, including myself, who have already taken charge of their mental health using BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. So go to, again, it's betterhelp.com slash listener. All right, Joel, now that we've gotten that out of the way with, so the Bathurst 1000 was just uh, in the last month, and I've watched the last two or three years, you know, a good, a good chunk of, and obviously I've heard of that before, but A, what makes the Bathurst 1000 kind of the premier event every year, and B, how awesome was this year? I felt like this year was my, the most fun I've had watching it. Yeah, this year was pretty good, but it was interesting to see that effectively we had the favorite, you know, the guys from WAU from coming out of the box from Chaz's super lap on, on the Saturday just showed how dominant that car was and just how well dialed in it was for them this year. I think they really showed their, you know, how hard they've worked this year to, to, to get into it. And with it, with a co, you know, there's probably one of the best co-driver pairings of the season as well. You know, Chaz and Lee are, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, just an awesome team. So yeah, I think uh, it was, it certainly made things interesting, but it, it, they sort of had that, yeah, like you said, the, the the last part of it was kind of got interesting with um with you know there was they we kind of chopped and changed a little bit with in in those last in those last few laps and stuff. So it, it was one of those things. I think yeah, it, you can never know with with the way that this race is. It, it's it can go down to the really the last minute. Yeah. Um, because you know it, it can be so aggressive and so close with drivers and teams and stuff like that. So it is one of those things that it, it can go right to the wire. And in the last couple of years, we've had some of the closest um, finishes that we've had in a long, long time. So yeah, I've I've loved I loved every second that I watched this year. And admittedly, I did fall asleep like forty minutes to go in the race. So I I quick. When I woke up at like 6.30 in the morning, I think you know, I got like four and a half hours of sleep. I, 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 my, thankfully, my live stream was still playing. I just rewound it and watched the last uh, half hour or so so I could catch the end. But you know, driver-wise, for those who maybe aren't familiar with the series as much, obviously, you know, Scott McLaughlin came over from Supercars to IndyCar. But who, who, who's currently in Supercars that we should pay attention to? Wow, that's a that's a that's a that's an interesting call to to in terms of that because <clears throat> excuse me with the changes in the in the the team or well, the changes of the driver lineup I think um, probably the most you know the most obvious one that comes to comes to to mind at the moment is and it was only announced literally this week is Lee Holdsworth who was the Bathurst winner alongside Chaz has moved to Kelly Grove Racing so or Grove Racing as it'll effectively be known next year um yeah Lee has hasn't had a full-time drive for a, a a while and so you know he he did say you know during Bathurst that he did want to try and get back and yeah he scored one of the the plum drives for next year so I think Lee will be one to watch in in the Mustang at Kelly, Kelly Grove alongside David Reynolds um I think he will definitely be you know one to to keep an eye on um I think as well I think the pairing now that obviously there's been a bit of a, a change across the board so 
Chaz's teammate Bryce Forward has moved to another team and alongside Chaz will now sit Nick Perkat. Now Nick's a, a previous Bathurst winner. You know, he's been driving for Brad Jones racing the last few years and, and will now sit alongside Chaz in, you know, in the team that, you know, just won Bathurst. So I think it'll be, he'll be an interesting one to watch. Uh, I think in that respect, the guys at Erebus, I think they were really yeah. impressive. So both Will Brown and, um, and Brady Kosecki, I think both those guys, they were very impressive to watch at Bathurst and, and in the last part of the year, because obviously due to COVID here in Australia, we had to change a lot of rounds towards the end of the year. So they actually ran to try and get through the rest of the series after having a massive break for a while and not being able to, to be able to get to other traditional rounds like the Gold Coast and, and so forth, that they end up running four rounds at Sydney Motorsport Park back to back. Um, and the guys there, I think, were very interesting to watch. And then they got to Bathurst and they were certainly sort of quick. So I think they will be interesting to watch. I think Erebus have, um, you know, they've, they've really come a long way in the last couple of years. But then you've also got to look at the retirement of Jamie Winkup from, from Red Bull uh, has obviously changed things as well with the young Brock Feeney coming in to sit alongside Shane Van Gisberg. And I think that will be interesting to watch. I think, you know, Brock's a pretty, uh, pretty fast kid. And I think he will be interesting to, you know, to watch uh, for, for next season. But then obviously you've got to look at, you know, the, the, the team that, um, Scotty McLaughlin uh, drove for uh, Shell V-Power. They have obviously had a year together with Anton um, and Will. I think they will probably be used to watch. They had a really strong finish to the season um, and I think they've got good, strong potential moving into to next year. Um, and so, yeah, I think it'll be sort of interesting to see um, you know, what happens with them. And then obviously it's kind of a bit like, you know, uh, IndyCar obviously next season there's lots of new rookies coming in yeah. um, that's going to really spice up you know that series I think it's the same thing here so Thomas Randall who is a very quick young driver um, has been trying to get into the main game for a while he's finally scored a, a full-time drive for Tickford Racing um, I think Tom will be one to definitely watch next year uh, I think he's quick. Uh, he's got real potential, um, and I think it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see how you know how he goes. And I think you know I think he'll be one to one to certainly watch. And I think there'll be if he if he doesn't at least score a podium next year, I think uh, I think you know it'll be surprising if he doesn't. Like he, he's super quick. And then obviously the last obviously change is obviously. Um, the guys at Brad Jones have obviously had a bit of a change as well. So Bryce forwards ended up there from, from Wilkinshire and Dreddy United. And then Andre Heimgard has moved from um, Kelly Grove into to Brad Jones. So, you know, new, new drivers into new teams can obviously shake it up and obviously give a different, different feel. And then over at Matt Stone, uh, Todd Hazelwood and Jack LeBrock have also, are both also new signings for that team as well. So um, yeah, there's lots, lots of change happening in the off season. We obviously drivers into to new teams and, and obviously new drivers coming in as well. So, yeah, I think next season will certainly be uh, a very interesting one to watch uh, in for that, you know, for that reason. Yeah, I agree. I'm very intrigued now. I see the schedule starts in early March. Also, they're on the Formula One weekend at Albert Park, which is pretty cool. But the, the last question I have is so, you know, kind of comparing it to you know, IndyCar. Okay, IndyCar we have you know, Penske and Ganassi and et cetera, is kind of the, like the, the, the big three teams uh, team wise, who are, who are the Penske's and Ganassi's of supercars? 
So you would, I mean, Penske, you've got to say that their ex-partnership yeah. team, which would be Shell V-Power, but obviously you probably put Penske as your top in terms of when, when you talk about IndyCar, really, their strongest yeah. team. So in theory, that's got to be Red Bull, um, obviously, because now, you know, Jamie Wincup's moved from driving to team managing. So, and obviously, you know, you knew Young Gun with Brock and, and obviously Shane Van Gisbergen. So I think that's probably that. Um you would look at probably, I mean, now Red Bull are the Holden sort of um, factory team, if you want to call it that. Now the ex-factory team are now the current Bathurst champions, which is Walker Jewel Andretti United. So I think they're probably the Ganassi now in, in, in the sense of that today, because they had a strong season. They've won Bathurst. They're coming off that. So I think that they're probably a, a strong feel. Um but then, yeah, you look at, as I said, so, and then you've also looking at Shell V Power, but every team has a different feel. And you've also got to look at Tickford. So Tickford um, were, for a period of time, the, the, Ford, the Ford team, um, but they've had a strong, strong year. Walters, you know, had a great finish to the, to the race. Um, you know, they've got an interesting lineup this year with, you know, two new drivers and, and retaining two current drivers and Waters and Courtney. So I think they're probably, you know, uh, if you share the, the Ganassi name again, I suppose they're another one in that respect. So they're, they're probably uh, you're strong, but they've got the most history. So, you know, um, Shell V Power, which is Dick Johnson uh, racing, Triple um, Eight, which is which is Red Bull, uh, Tickford. Yeah. Um, those three teams have all got the longest, probably some of the longest history uh, in the championship. Um you know, Walkinshaw and Dreddy United, you know, was the Holden um, dealer team for, for a long, long period of time. So in their iteration, they actually have, you know, quite a strong history. Brad Jones Racing, you know, Brad Jones uh, has been around in racing for a long, long period of time. So he, you know, he has a lot of history in the sport and stuff like that. He's also a board member in terms of sitting in terms of helping to run the championship. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of history there. Um, Kelly Grove, you know, it's sad that the, the Kelly name will disappear from that name and the, the Kelly brothers are no longer in the sport because again, they're probably two of the, the longest running, you know, people in the championship. So that will become Grove Racing. So it's a bit like Formula One, you know, a lot of Formula One teams have that history with where they started, you know, they were the Minardis or the Jaguars or, you know, if, if teams of the past, these guys, their underlying part of the team is, you know, something in the background. So yeah, there's a lot of history in some of the teams and some of the teams are a little, a little bit newer to it uh, in that respect. But I think they're probably, uh, you know, the sort of three team or three or four teams that I would say are probably the closest to those famous IndyCar names. I love it, man. Well, listen, I appreciate the time. We'll, uh, we'll keep this here, but we'll definitely have to check in at some point during the supercar season. I'll try to share out, when the races actually are and uh yeah man I, I appreciate the time and happy holidays yes same to you my friend thanks for having me on yeah no problem man have a, a good rest of your day thank you you too All right. hi listeners we wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from evergreen podcasts and sound talent media called pit lane parlay pit lane parlay is the go-to podcast for indycar and motorsports related news each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. 
Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today.